Welcome back to Quantum Conversations. My name is Sarah, and I'm so excited to bring you another episode with my co-host, Carrie Bennett. We are really enjoying giving you this show and talking about these topics that seem really complex so that we can help them be a little bit more understandable to the everyday person. I just wanted to remind you to head down into the show notes to make sure you get my free resources and Carrie's free resources. We've both spent a lot of time compiling our favorite list of products, as well as how you can actually implement a lot of these things into your daily life for free using our guides. We also both have amazing courses that you have access to in the show notes as well. And we co-host a course together called Quantum Fertility. We've actually had some quantum fertility babies just born this summer, and we have several quantum fertility pregnancies going on right now where women were told that they were not going to get pregnant and we have been able to show them the way using these circadian principles and quantum biology and we're so grateful for this so make sure you head down to the show notes check out those resources check out those courses and if you are enjoying the show if you're watching on youtube make sure to subscribe to our channel hit the like button leave us a comment and if you're listening on the podcast app please head on over to apple or spotify leave us up to a five-star review since we are such a brand new show we want to make sure that we're getting this message out to as many people as possible again we want to make these concepts of quantum biology and circadian biology understandable and applicable to the everyday person. We want you to pull up a chair, come hang out and enjoy this conversation with me and Carrie and have a fantastic day. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Quantum Conversations. Carrie and I are so excited to have you here today. Thank you for tuning in. And we were just chatting. It is mid-September. This will come out mid into September. And a lot of people are starting to think about fall and transitioning into fall, winter. We talk so much about how sunlight is healthy and good for us. And I think people start to understand that. And then it's like, okay, now it's fall, winter, we're going to have less sun. What do we do? How do we keep up all these great health benefits, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. Those are the questions I'm definitely starting to get in my community. And so this will be a fun conversation, I think, because um, you you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people assume that to have these quantum health strategies means simply getting into really intense sunlight all the time. And that's mm-hmm. the only thing you do. Yes. And Sarah and I are going to talk with you about how you can actually utilize the fall and utilize the winter for healing and health and um, how it doesn't necessarily rely on any devices per se, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. and you can really get a benefit from that. So one thing though, too, great precursor to this would be the episode we did where we talked about melatonin yes. because we're, you're going to want to know why we refer to melatonin as being so healing and making sure you're producing enough of it yourself and, and why that's really what you want to take advantage of in the winter. Yep. Exactly. Again, summer is like vitamin D time or hormone D and then sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. Winter is melatonin, the season of melatonin darkness. Yeah. And you have to start embracing it. And I think a lot of people like me, I used to suffer with seasonal affective disorder, like horrible depression and anxiety and weight gain and not feeling good during the winter until I learned how to really embrace a lot of these principles. And I haven't dealt with it the last probably three years now. 
And last year I had a baby and I was terrified because I'm like, I've had horrible postpartum depression with my daughter. This is going to happen with my son. And it, I stayed with these quantum principles, even having a newborn. And I didn't, again, didn't have that horrible seasonal affective disorder. So yeah, I think we got to talk about this for people. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I was the same way. I had one of those big old light panels on my desk being in Michigan mm-hmm. in the middle of winter. Right. Like I thought that that was the only way I could possibly fend off the fatigue and the depression and um, not the case. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so it's going to be exciting to share this with you, but, the, and I, I want to highlight, like, this is the perfect time of year to mm-hmm. start embracing cold yes. because this morning in Michigan, it was 50, right? Like mm-hmm. nothing crazy by any means, but it was, it's, it's a significantly colder morning than what we have in the summer, which is typically, you mm-hmm. know, upper sixties, low seventies. And so, so what does that mean? Well, it means that at the first sign of cold, we don't necessarily need to just bundle it right up. Like I encourage clients in their normal sunrise routine or in their normal UVA routine to go outside wearing the same amount of clothing that they've been wearing in the summer. Yep. And I'll, because what happens is if this is the transition where we start to perceive cold, but it's not so intense that we have a nervous system or like this aversion to it. Mm-hmm. And as we adapt, just like we build a solar callus in the summertime or in the spring into the summer to tolerate stronger and stronger sunlight on our skin, you have to build a, a cold callus as well. Yeah. Right. And this cold, what this cold callus is, is just teaching your body how to generate its own heat as soon as it starts to sense the cold and the need to do so. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we're so conditioned to like, oh, it's, you know, 40 degrees or even here it's been in the sixties, which feels marvelous in the mornings, but yeah, you grab a little jacket or a little sweatshirt and still go outside, but, uh, try not to do that. Yeah. Because you can actually cold adapt. And we talk so much about, um, you know, cold adapting when we do cold therapy, cold thermogenesis, but we don't think about the natural cold adapting we can do in the environment in which we live in. Cause it's not typically going to go from, you know, 95 degrees down to 32 degrees. And I'm talking Fahrenheit here. Um, cause I'm in America. I know we have a lot of everyone outside of the U S talks in Celsius, which yeah. I still don't get Celsius. I, I'm, I'm so bad. I'm so, the conversion. I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. I can't get the conversion. So I can't, it's so complicated for me. Um, but anyway, the temperature doesn't have this drastic drop overnight typically. And so we do have September, October, parts of November, where it's not like bone chilling cold to be outside. And if we can do that, I see Becky, um, Becky Niles, who's, she's one of the coaches in my community and, uh, she's gone through all the quantum health courses. She posts on her Instagram every morning and it's been in the forties where she lives it's just in my Nebraska my talking about that. Yeah. She's just like, still go outside. <laughs> yeah. She's in her tank top and shorts in, in the forties in Nebraska in the morning, mm-hmm. getting her sunrise and grounding time. And I see her do it in the dead of winter too, in a tank top and shorts. And she, she doesn't cold plunge, but that's what she does. She just goes out and gets cold in the mornings and that's her cold therapy. It was, it was how I got my mom into doing cold stuff. Right. And so, um, her, her routine, thank you mom for following your routine. Her routine was, (laughs) um, has been like, okay, let me go sit on, sit on the deck at sunrise. And then basically the question was, well, what happens when it gets cold outside? 
And so two years ago, I gave her this exact same advice. It's just like, go out in your pajamas like you normally do. And if you can stay out for 10 seconds, great. If you can stay out for 20 or two minutes. So towards the end of winter, she's now to the point where she can stay out for 10 or 15 minutes in Michigan cold, which is chilly in just her pajamas at, because she's adapted to it and it doesn't feel like a challenge to her at all. There's no, there's no, yeah, it's, she's really recognizing then that translates to, oh, well, I don't have to hesitate and like almost be like, oh, I got to bundle up to get to the car to go to the grocery. Like that, you drop that, right? You're not concerned with being cold anymore because your body is just that much more efficient at heating itself up. And so we can really take advantage of how our natural environments are going to be lowering their temperature gradually over the course of the next couple of months in order to just be able to tolerate the cold of winter and not just tolerate, but thrive. Yeah. During the cold months of winter. And this is the time when I too, like Becky, like I stopped cold plunging come October, like October. I don't need it anymore. Right. Like yeah. if I want to be cold, I open my windows. I don't wear a coat. I just let the natural ambient air come in. And while it's not the same as cold plunging, it's, I find it actually better for me in the winter to get used to the cold air and tolerating longer periods of time in the cold air as just a means of not worrying about what it feels like for when the temperature changes come December, January, February. Exactly. Yeah. And I still cold plunge because I'm in Georgia. So <laughs> we only, we do get cold here. I think people are surprised to see that it, it does get, you know, pretty cold in Georgia. It can get into the teens, but usually not below the teens really doesn't get much below there, but still that's cold. You oh, know? Yeah, that's legit cold. That's legit yeah. cold. Yeah. So I, yeah, I agree with you completely. And so I think that's one thing and cold does so many great things for the body because we talk so much about sunlight and how important it is. So it's really still important that you're getting outside for sunrise, getting those colors, getting those lights into your eyes to turn on cortisol, to turn on all those hormonal cascades that happen, neurotransmitter support that you get in that morning light. Very, very important. Um, And I think wearing blue blockers before sunrise, because it comes up a lot later for people can be supportive because again, we think about winter, it's the time for more melatonin. And so we don't want to be up, you know, at 6am with all the bright overhead lights on and having this, like these intense, you know, just like running around the house and being stressed out and, and working out really hard. Like winter is not necessarily the time for that. I would, what I try to do is put my blue blockers on, keep it low key, keep it chill in the mornings, go outside for sunrise, get cold, let my body kind of wake up that way when possible. Um, because cortisol opposes melatonin. So if you're in the winter time, trying to do all this high intensity interval training and, you know, trying to keep your summer wake time and, you know, the bright overhead light, all that stuff. I think that can disturb melatonin production. Would you say? Yeah, it absolutely can. And I just think in general, um, I don't know when I look at, um, like natural traditional cultures and populations that still live at one with their cold environment, it's not, it's not the same. It's not the same intensity of Mm -hmm. living, right? It's Mm -hmm. a, do I have enough firewood to cover the next few days, right? Do I have enough food to, and then there's, there is a significant period of just calm and rest. Yep. Um, And so, like you said, we have to just respect the natural ebb and flow that comes with that. And while our modern time construct and modern lighting and modern temperature, indoor temperatures can make it, make us feel like we should be productive and energetic all year round. 
there's natural circannual cycles that we have to respect as well. Yeah. And so yeah, honoring just like I, I do, I don't, I don't worry much about as much about working out in the winter. And yeah. you know, like you yogi here, former personal trainer here, right? Like I, it's not that I don't respect exercise in all of its forms, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I loved teaching step aerobics back in the day, but that being said, I don't, I would much rather go on a winter hike in the woods as yes. my winter movement and my winter exercise. Whereas in the middle of the summer, sure. I'm going to sprint up this hill and then maybe do some push ups, And then like, there's, I have a different rhythm to the intensity that yes. I want to work out in the summer versus yes. kind of still moving and still being active in the winter, but at a lower intensity. Exactly. Yeah. Because we want to, we want to store up that vitamin D that we got in the summer, hopefully. And the more we're stressing our bodies out, the more we're like getting that cortisol going. I think the more it can actually impact the hormone D storage. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah. I've not looked into that too much, but I do think anything that drives up inflammation, I mean, vitamin D, right. So we have to look at it. You have to look at exercise as an inflammatory stimulus in a good way. Right. Though. I mean, it ultimately can be beneficial, but if it's overdone, Sure. They could yeah. just add to add to the overall stress load or the inflammatory load of the body. So it's all about balance and just kind of honoring, I don't know, kind of honoring, does ask, asking your body, checking in with your body. Are you maybe a lot of clients are like, well, I don't feel like working out first thing in the morning in the winter. It's so hard to get out of bed. It's like, then don't get sleep. All right. Maybe right. your body's telling you like that extra time sleeping is going to need it benefits you in the winter. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You know, and you, as you were saying earlier too, in terms of like the, um, the, the blue blockers and then the cold, um, I want to just reemphasize going outside first thing in the morning is key, right? And mm-hmm. you, you, you have you'll to get it. all the light. I don't, mm-hmm. don't know the number of times I, this is, I know you get this comment too, but it's like, yeah, but it's, it's dark and gray. It's gray. Yeah, I live overcast. on the East coast. It's very overcast and dark here. Right. Right. You, you still get it. You, you still, still get, get what it. you need. And I encourage anybody to kind of do just like this subjective experiment, like number, like go out, like be in your house, kind of near a window, right? Mm-hmm. Near a window. Maybe you can even open the window if you want and, and kind of soak in the intensity of the light there. And then on, a, on that cloudy night, actually go outside and you're going to recognize the true difference in brightness that mm-hmm. you're always going to get in an outdoor environment versus an indoor environment. Mm-hmm. And so what's lacking oftentimes in winter and why we feel those doldrums is we're just not getting that bright light stimulus that you're mm-hmm. going to get on cloudy days in winter. Right. And you just, just go out consistently and it's going to happen. All the cascades that we still talk about are relevant. And in fact, even more so you want to go outside in the winter to do this because yep. you want to kickstart those pathways. It's really easy to kind of hunker down and ignore it and be like, eh, it's the same. It's cloudy outside. It's cloudy inside, you know, and that's not the case at all. You nope. have to maintain a consistent routine, even in winter. Exactly. And a lot of people ask me, can I use a red light therapy panel as a substitute? And I'm like, because no, because what is the thing that tells your body to start making cortisol blue light? Mm-hmm. Is there blue light? with a red light panel? No. Is there, and if you are in your house and turning on blue light, is that the correct amount of blue light? It's going to be too much. The perfect amount of blue light for you to start your day and get all those systems going is going to be outside. Even if it's cloudy, even if it's rainy, gross, like it's still there. Then if you want to come back inside afterwards and do some red light therapy, cool. 
but it's not a substitute and it's not, it, it's not a replacement because again, there's no blue light when you're doing a red light panel and then the blue light overhead is too much. <laughs> so it's, the body is not stupid and nature's not stupid either. That's exactly right. And you know, I mean, I, I get it. Like it may be a lot easier to step outside with bare feet and pajamas in the middle of the summer to get sunrise versus totally. the winter. remove whatever barriers it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Even if it means, okay, Carrie, I'm going to ignore everything you just said about getting adjusted to the cold. I, mm-hmm. as, I want you to, above all else, I want you to go outside in the morning. Yeah. Right? Even if it means you're bundled up under a big old blanket or you got your earmuffs on, your big old heavy boots on, you still need to go outside in the morning. And exactly. so that would probably be the most foundational practice you can do, especially if in the winter you have suffered from low energy, depression, um, fatigue, muscle, like just pain or lethargy, poor sleep, low mood, all of those things I think are going to be improved simply by getting the natural light signaling in the morning. And frankly, the research does show, right, that you could shine a bright old light panel into your eyes and you can you can kind of kickstart those pathways. But it's by no means in the balance, like you said, the balanced light progression and the balanced signaling that you get from getting outside in natural light. And I did, I ditched that, I ditched that light panel probably now, probably five or six years ago now. And um, I haven't thought anything of it, right? Because I I love my morning time outside in the middle of winter. Yeah. And that, that's a question I get often is like, should I use one of those sad lights? I have one in my closet. I actually have never took it out of the box because the same year I bought it is when I actually found all this quantum and circadian information. And so I was like, oh, this is, I don't think I need this thing. Um, so my thoughts on the boxes, too much cortisol, inappropriate hormone signaling that can actually throw off circadian rhythms, can mess up melatonin signal pattern later can, you know, anything you're doing with your cortisol, because cortisol opposes melatonin can impact your melatonin, can impact your sleep, can impact your recovery, autophagy, apoptosis, all that stuff. And so that's why I'm not a huge fan of the light boxes. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I concur with all that stuff. Absolutely. When you can get it the correct way from nature, Mm -hmm. I I just want to, I can't emphasize that enough. Like it's, you'll get the same, if actually you'll get a better, a much better benefit from going outside in the morning than you're going to get from that light box. Um, The other thing in the winter, I think that's important to highlight too, is I talk about scarcity, which is a tough word for some people, right? Yep. Um, But really it would have been a period of scarcity of potentially certain food types Mm -hmm. or when we were consuming food or, and so I, (laughs) if we were consuming food, right. And so I'm, I, I, not everyone necessarily is ready to fast more intensely in the winter, but I do think it's important to still stay within a circadian window of eating, Mm -hmm. which may mean finishing dinner at four or 5 PM if you can. Or frankly, in the winter, my metabolism has been trained that I really eat my breakfast around eight, you know, eight or nine sunrises there. And I'm done at three, right? You know, I have a late lunch and I feel good. My body feels good about that. Um, And then I've got that extra time of scarcity, darkness, you know, melatonin, colder at night too, so that my body can optimize all of these repair and longevity pathways that utilize those signals, the scarcity, darkness, cold signaling pathways. Yeah. And I mean, our bodies are meant to be more fat adapted in the winter, because I know people will hear this and they're, they're not fat adapted period. 
So your body is not essentially good at burning fat for fuel. You're only able to really burn glucose, which is, you know, 90% of people I'm going to say, maybe even more than that really, mm-hmm. um, are in that glucose burning metabolism. So it's something you do have to work up to. And this time of year right here, September, October is a good time of year to start playing around with that a little bit and getting more metabolic flexibility because we're supposed to have more, you know, abundance in the summertime, you know, all this harvest, amazing food, if you're leptin sensitive, which again, 90% of people are not. So they (laughs) shouldn't really be eating that stuff anyway. But if we're speaking ancestrally and we're speaking about how to do this, this time of year is a time of year to kind of start playing around with getting more fat adapted so that when it does come to be winter, doing something like not eating after 3 PM doesn't sound like the most outlandish thing in the world. Cause when I talk about that, people literally get so offended and they get, I can't like, I have to eat before bed. I have to have a bedtime snack. I have to do, you know, like, like, okay. (laughs) Like you might have a leptin issue if that's, Mm -hmm. if you can't, you know, go to sleep without eating first, it could be a leptin issue, you know? It it absolutely could be right. It's a leptin issue, a cortisol issue right in there, all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, yeah. And so then that might not be for you, but I think a lot of people are just, they fear that mm-hmm. idea for some reason, no one bats an eye at intermittent fasting and pushing your first meal from two, right. in the morning, two or sorry, two o'clock in the afternoon until like six or, or eight, like you eat right. in that window. But for some reason, people freak out when you basically suggest like the same window breakfast and it is, it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Cause everyone thinks I'm anti-fasting because I'm like, eat breakfast, eat breakfast. I'm like, no, I actually think fasting can be really great. But on the other end, I just did a breakfast to breakfast fast, right? I fasted 24 hours. Now I'm, I'm metabolically flexible. I'm fat adapted. I'm leptin sensitive, right? Like I, I, I worked on all of those things. Um, whereas five or seven years ago, I would have been hangry after two and a half hours and gotten an energy ball. I was really good at energy ball recipes, you know? Oh (laughs) Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so, and so, but that being said, like no joke after my breakfast, I wasn't hungry. Like you don't, I I, I don't want to put words in people's mouth who do, who maybe have gone through this, but I, the hunger sensation never came about. Mm -hmm. Sometimes boredom comes about because you're just like, Ooh, you know, it'd be nice to like, you know, have that with my husband or, you know, with my kids, yeah. or something. but like it was, there was no cravings. There was no hunger. And so I gave my body the satiety signal. I'm fat adapted and have body fat that I'm able to then mobilize and utilize a healthy metabolism. And mm-hmm. then I fueled it 24 hours later. It's a, it's a, it's a fun thing to do. And I would much rather people do fasting in that early window to early window of time the next day, as opposed to pushing it way back. Cause that really can dysregulate cortisol. Yeah. That's where you really can just really impair fasting's benefits. I think from, from that upright. I feel the same way. And I feel like so many, we're kind of getting on a fasting tangent, but a lot of people ask me my thoughts on fasting and they're like, well, this doctor says, you know, women can fast this way. And they have all these stipulations for women. I'm like, if they don't tell you to eat breakfast and do more of the breakfast to breakfast fasting, I still disagree with it. Like not all of it, but I think that again, you're, that's a really quick way to start dysregulating cortisol. If you're doing the breakfast skipping as a regular practice for men too, I've, it's not just the women that I've seen a lot of men and Thomas Delauer actually, um, has been speaking out about this a little bit more, oh, interesting. which is, yeah. Cause he's Mr. Keto and fasting. Mm-hmm. And just recently he's kind of come out and said, 
yeah, uh, I messed up my hormones. I wasn't feeling good because every day I was skipping breakfast and I was doing keto 365 days a year. And I never did any carb cycling. Um, I, I never would eat breakfast. And so now he's telling people to have more of a nuanced approach where again, they eat breakfast where they don't do the same fasting window every day. I think mm-hmm. he, he'll probably still do some breakfast skipping, but I don't recommend that, <laughs> you know? No, unless, unless like, honestly, it's maybe three times, two or three times a year. I might do a 36 or three day fast. Yeah, exactly. Like right. But like, we're not yeah. talking anytime regularly. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't think most people need that unless there's like maybe a cancer situation right? or that those are, there's always an exception to the rule. Most people aren't dealing with that sort of thing. So they don't need to go that deep. And if they do want to do some fasting, I'm like, shoot, do a breakfast to breakfast fast. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to do a 36 hour fast, you could do that once a month or so, you know, you don't yeah, have to. sure you more fasting is not better. I think that's the problem that people that's how we get into it. yeah because you know yeah. I mean, here's the deal i i i respect jason Fung massively mm-hmm. right because he really brought about he really made fast the thought of intermittent fasting not scary anymore right i think part, part of it's his personality part of it's how he delivers his beautiful talks and podcasts mm-hmm. um but he also is running a clinic for people with some pretty severe diabetes metabolic, yeah. or metabolic mm-hmm. conditions even mm-hmm. cancers right and so and so yes like sarah's saying like under a doctor's supervision, is there the potential to do it therapeutically like that and see some results? Yes. Yeah. But is it necessary? And is it, is it warned? Is, is it like, is it more imbalancing ultimately? Like, like, exactly. someone like Thomas DeLauer found out, right. That, um, that to, to do it like really strict, hardcore 20, 24, seven, 365, like that, you know, really in, intense. Whereas I'm finding an occasional 24 hour fast well, once a month. Yeah. Plenty once a month, maybe at the yeah. most. If I can upregulate some benefits there, I can reset some dopamine receptors. I can support my insulin sensitivity. Like there's a lot of things I can do and I don't have to do the exact same alternate day fasting, right? right. Uh, you know, 24 hours on, 24 hours off, 24 hours on, 24 hours. It doesn't have to be that intense by any means. So yeah. less is more, but maybe now if you are fat adapted, it would be the time to hone in on a couple of 24 hour breakfast to breakfast fast or exactly. a 36 hour fast, you know, scattered throughout the winter as well, just exactly. to continue to upregulate um, those, those, those longevity pathways that, that are associated with that. Exactly. So that's the food portion ish. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably get questions. We can talk more about winter food right, as we sure. go through the season. Cause we're going to get the root vegetable and the, yeah. The, yeah. So we'll talk more about that. Seller stable foods, things like yeah. that, which yeah, we can definitely talk about and doing some carb cycling in there too. Cause sure. I don't, you know, unless you're very, very, very metabolically unhealthy, I think a lot of people can benefit from doing a little bit of carb cycling in there for, you know, just for hormones. And I never, I never thought that before until it happened to me. And then it started happening to a lot of my clients. I'm like, Hmm, you're becoming metabolically inflexible the other way. And no one talks about that. Nobody. Cause it's absolutely so rare. Absolutely. It happens. It oh yeah. Happens. It, it was rare. I said, it's mm-hmm. so rare, but it was rare because no one was really talking about keto and carnivore diets. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, oh no, that could never happen. But now a lot more people have their ears perked up about keto carnivore diets, which I think are fantastic. Sure. A they lot of great, great benefits, benefit. mm-hmm. but you can become metabolically inflexible the other way around. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier to fix though, than it is to fix 
Sure. You know, it's, it's Eat not carbs every once in a while, <laughs> right? Just have the sweet potato have, you know, we're not telling you to go have like ice cream sundae or anything. Um, if you really want to go for it, but no judgment. I just don't crave those things anymore. Those things I don't, don't either cross my mind really. Yeah. yeah. I don't either. Yeah. I mean, on the holidays, the last couple of years, I've just said, I'm going to eat whatever I want. That's at the holiday dinner sure. and enjoy a little dessert. And I did, and I was fine. It didn't ruin my mood or my energy, my sleep, anything like that. My body handled it and we moved on. Yeah. Um, that was one. never the case for me before I did all this circadian biology stuff. It was sure. like, I would have the, the holiday meal and then I'd have cravings, cravings yep. the next day and the next week. And then it's like, I'm just giving into these cravings and eating all this crap. And then all of a sudden it's another holiday because it's you know, just, and then you're like, screw it. New year's resolutions are right around the corner. So I'll wait until after the next 10 days, I'm just going to eat whatever I want and feel like, but I feel like even in the winter time, I'm getting that neurotransmitter support from morning light. That's so key for me. I'm getting the electrons still from grounding. I'm getting the, the cold, um, which is also producing energy in my body. All of those things combined, the morning light, the cold, the grounding that I'm still getting all of that stuff. I don't have this like crazy need to binge on holiday cookies and crap. And I had that my whole life. So that's, that's why I feel like this stuff is so powerful for people because somebody like me can overcome this crazy, like need to binge and eat crap all the time. I mean, it's like, it's, it's doable. It, it is. It, and it, it actually, it, oddly enough, like I had a couple of community members say like, like, what's the catch? Cause this really, once you get into it, this really isn't hard. And I'm right. Like, there is no catch. Right. No catch. It's just the way we've been it. supposed to I be know. doing everything. I was everything. clean plater club, right? Mm-hmm. I was the clean mm-hmm. plater club. Gladly, gladly would have like, you know, and then like you said, my grandma's Christmas cookies, mm-hmm. those chocolate chip ones were gone. Those were oh, yeah. mine. But yeah, that's, like, yeah, I still love my uncle Greg's, um, pumpkin pie. Right. And then yeah. homemade cheesecake. Right? I love those things at, at, at Thanksgiving, but I don't, I don't think like, I don't, it I don't doesn't linger on past on. the day. Yeah, yeah. And that's so weird. I never really thought about that re- recently, but it really doesn't. You're just like, okay, take it then. And yeah. Then leave it. <laughs> yeah. It's gone. And like what I used to do was have the holiday meal and then I'd end up being at the grocery store and they've got the, whatever cookies or, you know, I'm buying that and we're snacking on that or, yeah, it just doesn't, it's, it's not really a thing anymore, which is nice. It's really, it's very nice to not have that noise in your head. So, yeah. And I think at some point, maybe not this conversation, but at some point, I think it'd be really cool to talk about red light therapy in the winter, talk about sauna even in the winter, which sauna is a bit of a controversial topic in this quantum health sphere, right? Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Most people, a a lot of people don't think it's necessary. They're too high and not need to be a maps or. Oh yeah. Yeah. Listen, take. Tell that to someone who actually lives in a really cold, dark winter environment, right? But like, no, no, I, no, a sauna is an absolute must for me. I, I agree. I, I totally agree. Not, I don't live in a cold, dark area like you do, but I still live in, it can get cold and it d- definitely gets dark here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, sauna is very key for me. And you could do stuff like taking a warm bath too. Yeah, that creates sure. infrared in the body, but yeah, maybe we can create, do another episode like a winter part two and talk a little bit more about sauna, red light therapy, other How, infrared strategies. Yeah, infrared yeah. strategies. Yeah, because cold actually makes infrared, right? 
does, right? Yeah. Cold actually, that's how we, that's how we learn to, to cold adapt because we teach our mitochondria to make heat more efficiently for us in response exactly. to the cold. And so, yeah, we, that is technically a infrared therapy. Exactly. Yeah. So all those things, but, um, you know, and then it's, maybe we can talk about this on this episode and kind of wrap it up, but I get this question a lot about, um, vitamin D lamps, tanning beds, those things. Um, what are your thoughts? It's the rare instance that I feel like clients really benefit from those in, in mm. the winter months. Um, it's, I think it's a, I think it's a circadian dysregulation still. Right. Mm -hmm. And I really, truly, I don't, I don't know if when people use those vitamin D lamps, I don't know if they're actually craving making vitamin D. I don't know if there's bodies like craving that just light, the, the UV. light, mm -hmm. the UV. Right. Mm -hmm. So I know mm -hmm. one of our friends, Dr. Sarah, it, she's mm -hmm. starting to play around with like UV black light bulbs. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, um, I, I, and I'm just wondering if like someone who's craving the, that ultraviolet just isn't getting outside in that, in, in the UV window of time in, yeah. to get the natural, that natural signaling happening through the eyes. And yeah. so I typically try to encourage my clients to get out more and that UVA window, you'll, you'll, the best benefit is in the morning, but you'll get a benefit all day long, even through the eyes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, to, to, so if they're experiencing the fact that they might want something like that to try that first, um, my, my little spurdy has just, you know, been sitting gathering dust here. Your closet. For, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just, you know, it's, yeah. but, but I do have, I'm not going to lie. I do have a handful of clients scattered in Northern latitudes who swear by either spurred or tanning. Fine. Right. Yeah. We, will, we will work around that because I always want to respect when my clients resonate with the therapy mm -hmm. and it makes them feel good. I always want to respect that and work within that if we all, if we can. Yeah. I'm going to try mine this year. I mean, last year I just didn't have time. I had a newborn. I was really busy. And so I did not have time to do any kind of sparity vitamin D lamp, but I'm thinking about pulling it out just because I've got Sarah, she's helping me out of my membership group and her and I have been chatting a lot about vitamin D people who go into winter sunlight deprived, because maybe they just found all this information and, you know, they have super, super low D levels. Like, you know, would it help them? Like, you know, I, I feel like everybody is a little bit different, but I'm going to play around with it this year and see if I feel a difference or if I feel like it's disrupting my circadian rhythms, you know, cause that'll be fascinating. Yeah. I, you'll, you'll, you'll get that nuance for sure. I definitely will. I'm, I'll be curious. So that's, thank you. You can do that experiment. Yeah. Cause last year it was just like cuddling around the fire with the baby. Like we had fireplace in the bedroom, a fireplace downstairs. And so I literally just Perfect. had a new baby and we're like, you know, near the fire. Yeah. That's, that's what good. we did all winter. And I would do red light therapy when he napped and, yep. um, saw, we got our sauna last year in the winter. So I would do that, but I didn't do any sparity and I felt totally fine. Um, I had tan lines still. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. tan lines are, I feel like they're permanent at this point. Cause they're so dark this year. I'm like, Mm, I'm going to keep those till next year. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I feel like I, I feel like I still maintain, but you know, if you, um, I mean, if the cold exposure also helps you maintain melanin, levels, mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's part of it as well. You, you maintain your own endogenous melanin production, specifically also the neuromelanin. And so, mm -hmm. I don't know, there's something to be said about getting out in that cold and those benefits as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you heard of Nigel? One of my community members was talking about, um, showed me this. Have you heard of the chroma 
Do you I like- saw Cruz put that on his page the oh, other day. I not, yeah. I have not seen that. Okay. Yeah. I, that's where, I, let me see if I can pull it up. Cause I know it's on Cruz's uh, Instagram here. Where is it? It's called a D light vitamin D light device. Um, got four wavelengths of red, um, deep red and near infrared. Yeah. It's got, yeah. Vitamin D it's led vitamin D light with UVB plus red plus deep red plus near infrared. So interesting. Yeah. I would almost want one of these. I don't know. Like $749. (laughs) Yep. And I guess Mike Chapiro, C-H-A-P-I-R-O is the one who put these out. So interesting. Well, yeah. you know, I, I mean, it's fascinating. If people get it, it'll be interesting to see, yeah. you know, if, if they, you know, respond to it and how that feels and yeah, um, definitely. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm of the opinion. I would actually rather try to potentially hack it a Dr. Sarah's way with a uh, UV, UV lights. So like black lights, right. UV lights. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting. She's using the Sperity too. Her and I were actually just chatting like right before we jumped onto the uh, podcast. Cause I wanted to know her thoughts on it. I'm like, cause she lives in the UK, you know, which is even less, even way further North latitude than me. Yeah. Yeah. She's about to lose vitamin D entirely in about two weeks. And I get it here all winter. I mean, we still get it cause I'm in Atlanta. Now you have to lay out there for six hours in order to Completely make any naked and direct exactly. sunlight. <laughs> yeah. Which I do. That's what I was doing right before we hopped on this call. My family's used to it right now. Mom's on the ducks naked again. All right. <laughs> cause we've got a great yard for naked sunbathing. I didn't have that at my last house. So I just look out on the deck. There's mom. Probably my son gets a little bit older. I'll have to stop doing that. Or like find I would a different imagine area. it's going to come that time. <laughs> my husband and my daughter are just like, whatever. But yeah, my son probably, yeah, you probably need to not do that around him. But um, <laughs> I tell you that's, I mean, that has helped my health this summer more than anything. I've had a lot of stress going on and give me 15 minutes of naked sunbathing. That's all I need. Grounded. And I am okay. I am not going to fall apart. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. It really is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll yeah. be curious. This will be fun. And that's, I hope people also hear in this conversation, the fact that there's no one perfect right. way to do this. Thank you. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. There's so, so, so Sarah's going to try the Spurdy, right. And Dr. Sarah's going to try the Spurdy this summer and I'm not going to try the Spurdy this summer and that's okay. Right. Like we can kind of figure out what navigate, what, what works best for us. Mm -hmm. And we can also experiment. Like you can experiment and say, let me do this for three weeks and see if I notice see a difference. How my sleep is, is my HRV changed? My, ener- my subjective energy, yes. any difference in cravings for more yep. sweeter, sweeter foods. Like just like, mm-hmm. is it shifting things, you know, differently? Yeah. If you, That's if a you, lot of interesting stuff to pay attention to. It really is, you yeah. know? And then, and then, but if you notice like, wow, I look forward to that. And I feel flipping amazing after doing it. Yep. Just kind of like you were describing the naked sunbathing then. Yep. Why not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I did it during my pregnancy. Cause I was so concerned about keeping up my vitamin D levels for pregnancy. And they're like, you got to supplement. And I was like, Nope, not doing that. And so I was really, really consistent with my sparity during the winter time. Cause I got pregnant in January. And so I kept going. And I remember I tested my D levels in March before I was able to start laying out and they were at like a 60. And I was like, right. my doctor was like, great job on your supplementation. I'm like, eh, not doing that actually. So it, I mean, it did work to help me maintain those levels throughout the winter. Um, 
So yeah, yeah it'll yeah, be interesting yeah. to see. It'll be, it will be very interesting. And I would love it if you, when you tested your D, I would love for you to test the 25 and the one. Oh yeah. The one twenty five. There's a panel. You can do that now. Someone in my, yes. um, you can order your own. Someone in my community, I think has um, posted that the other day of you can order your own full vitamin D panel now. Oh, I wonder and, what that entails. Is it just those two numbers? Or is no, there, more? there was more. I don't know oh, if I can. Yeah. Send it my way. I'll have to look the, po- I'll look for the post and see if I can find it. Cause yeah, she was going to get like a full panel of a bunch of stuff done. It's like a full vitamin D panel. So cool. And I think it was Ulta labs. I'm not sure. Oh, and, I've heard of Ulta before. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Ulta is where she got it from. So if Ooh, anyone's that listening. That'd be interesting. Like, I want to start really making some clinical connections with this, mm-hmm. like all of the ways that if there's multiple patterns that you can see with how vitamin D shifts in the winter, do you have a, a diagnosed disease that might be pulling you to more active vitamin D levels versus low mm-hmm. storage? It might be fun to again, yeah. experiment, right? Just kind of play around and see what, what trends we can see, what we can, what data we can gather. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, anything else you want to add to this episode? We'll do it. We'll get more. And I know I got a, a comment on YouTube the other day from my YouTube channel, because I guess we haven't been looking at the Quantum Conversations YouTube and they're like, please go through your questions on YouTube. Like, okay, maybe we'll do an That's episode it. where we just go through questions from the Quantum Conversations YouTube channel and yeah, look sure. at some of those and That's a fun one and answer FAQ. those. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We'll have to plan on that. So cool. We'll do it. Okay. Be patient. We'll for sure do that. Yeah, we will. Just, just bear with us. And keep posting those questions. Yeah. yeah, We got a lot of balls in the air, but we'll, we'll take a look at those for sure. And uh, thank you for listening, everyone. 